How are you? Father, we just receive those in Jesus' name. We praise you. We love you. We ask that, Lord, that you just bless those offerings. Let them be pressed down, shaken together, and running over in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah. Yeah, let, let men and women give back to your bosom. That word says, uh, when you give, the Lord blesses it. And he says, press down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. Now, a lot of people don't know what that means, but I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, there's two ways to look at that. It's like, they're going to give to my bosom? I don't know what that means. And then the other thing is like, they're going to feed me? I like that. And uh, then, but what it really means is this. I didn't get any amens off of that. I'm, I'm like, y'all aren't, aren't hungry enough or something. <laughs> but here's what it means when, when you, I didn't hear you. It wasn't loud enough. <laughs> there you go. All right, so when, you, when they give to your bosom, here's what it means. It means that they, they used to take their robe and they'd say, men will give to you so much that you'll take your robe up. Now, my jacket's short. But a robe is not, it's, it's long, it's big, right? You'll take that robe up and you'll be holding it like this, right? And people will give to you so much. And when they give in a little bit, you'll be like, press down, shaking together, <laughs> running over. Will men give to you? I mean, we're talking about like a basket full of stuff. So God is a prosperous God in everything that he does. And, and we've really ignored a piece of that in the word. But he wants to bless you. He wants to bless not only your finances, but when he says bring prosperity to you, he's not just talking about finances. He's talking about your health. He's talking about your mind. He's talking about your spiritual condition. He's talking about you carrying the glory and the fire of God. He's talking about you carrying his light. He's talking about he wants to prosper you in winning souls. He wants to prosper you in the fruit of the spirit. He wants to prosper you in every area of your life. And he's very concerned about these things. Why? Because he loves you the same way that you love your child and you want to see him do well. Well, where do you think you got that from? And how much more do you think he wants to do it than we even want it? Right? Uh, we're, we have, he, you know, he has no fear. God is love and in love there is perfect love cast out all fear. He's got no fear. He's got no fear. But even us, sometimes we, you know, we don't want to say this, but we have fear. I know as a pastor, I've seen this over the years, just being really glass house. People would come in, they'd get on fire for the Lord, you know, and everything. I'm like, man, are they on, more on fire than I am? And you, you're right. And then you have a natural tendency in the flesh, not in the spirit, but you have a natural tendency to say, well, let me hold them back so that they don't shine brighter than me. Now, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. And a lot of people, you know, some parents deal with that. How many kings in old times killed their children? You know why they did it? Because they were afraid that the child would be more revered, would grow up and become stronger than them, and they would kill them before they got too strong. What did they do that for? The same reason. So you've got to understand that if I want to give good things to, why am I bringing that up? If I want to give good things to my children, and I still have a fear that I have to deal with, but God doesn't have that fear. 
He's not sitting there wondering if you're going to outshine him, right? This is not a fear of God. He, he, you're not going to dethrone him, right? This is not a fear of God. He's sitting there and saying, look, I can bless you all I want to bless you. I can bring prosperity to your life, and I want to. And there's nothing that's holding that back, you know. I want to bring that to your life. Well, that's awesome. That's the kind of God we serve. He's not, he doesn't fear that you'll have too much. Right? The only thing that he wants to make sure is he doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't, he doesn't want you to have stuff having you. Yeah. Right? Amen. He doesn't mind you having stuff. He doesn't want stuff to have you. Now, that's the only thing because if stuff has you, now this is, this is the root of all evil is that love of money. When stuff has you, you begin to love it instead of using it for the right reasons, you see. And so this is where we want to make sure that we're walking in the right thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I just want to, before we jump into today's message, I actually have a couple of announcements. I have a little mini message, and then I have the message, right? And, and those that you know me, you're like, oh my goodness, how long are we going to be here today? And, uh, but listen, I don't, I don't think it's going to be that long, but... Um, <laughs> When I say that, it concerns myself, you know, but anyway, normally, one, the first thing is normally, uh, but as I'm saying that, are we here for, you know, our flesh, or are we here for God? We're here for Him, you know. This is something that's really been lost in the American church as a whole, is people are coming in for themselves, and as soon as you get past themselves, people flip out. I mean, I, I watched them, they don't do it now, but... At the beginning years of Boomerang, man, you hit the 12 o'clock hour. Ooh. I'd, be, I'd be watching them. They'd be going. Right? I'd be watching them. 12 o'clock. I'm like, who set noon as the standard? I mean, was that, was that God? I don't ever remember reading a scripture. At noontime, you shall serve the Lord until noon. At that moment, you shall let my people go to their pot roast. I don't remember seeing that in the scriptures anywhere. I don't remember it. But I do remember seeing that we are here to serve him. And we are here to minister to him. And I do remember seeing that we're to give him everything uh, that we have. That we are to serve him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Seek the kingdom and his righteousness first, and all the things will be added to you. I've noticed that when I seek him first, I'm not, I'm not hungry. I'm not, I'm not, I have everything I need. It, why? Because it's just a promise of God coming out, you know. And so we have to understand, what are we doing here? What are we doing? You know, that, that, like I'm saying it with confidence, but some people have been like, what are we doing? You know, I have no idea, right? And that's okay. Uh, if you're there, just hang out and you'll get confident in what we're doing. We're, I'm teaching right now. What are we doing here? We're not here just to serve ourselves. We're here to minister to the Lord. One of the things I love is in Acts chapter 13. Uh, here, uh, Paul is separated and ordained. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, he separated and ordained. You understand, Paul? Uh, he, he was separated and ordained. How did it happen? Acts 13, as they ministered to the Lord. You have one of the greatest ministries in human history that was launched by the Holy Ghost 
in the power of God. Without it, we probably wouldn't have the Bible as we know it today. And it was launched in a meeting like this under direction of the Holy Ghost. And what were they doing? They were worshiping the Lord. They were ministering to the Lord. They were praying. They were, in other words, they weren't concerned about how long they've been there. They were concerned about the things of God. They weren't concerned about how, you know, this side of them felt. They were concerned about how this side of them felt. Not their, not the backside, but their inside. How does my heart feel towards the Lord? That's what they were concerned with. And so when they did that, that's when God can do great things. Amen? How many people want great things done in your life? All right. Well, then that's all you got to do. You just got to change from, you know, con being concerned about your flesh to being concerned about the things of God. You know? From the backside to the inside. That's a great, like that's a series right there. From the backside to the inside, amen? And when we do that, all of a sudden, God says, they get serious about me, I'm going to get serious about them. It happens all the time. How many times, just how many times have we seen when people got serious about God and their lives completely changed and turned around? All the time, right? And how often, Nicole, how often have you seen it uh, where somebody comes in and it didn't take like three years for their life to change. How long does it normally take? Not long yeah. Weeks, months, everything changes. Why? Because you get serious about God. He's already serious about you. He's just waiting on you. He's already done everything that needs to happen to release his goodness in your life. He just, he just needs you to line up with him and start walking with him. You know, if God's walking this way, but I'm walking this way, how am I going to get on God's plan when he's walking that way? But if I'll say, oh, God's going that way? If he's going that way, even if my flesh wants to go this way, I'm going with him. All of a sudden, I can walk hand in hand with God. That is what we've got to be more concerned about God's things. And this goes along with the message today, but I told you I wanted to give you some announcements and then a mini message and then the real one. So, all right, glory to God. So, first thing is this uh, tomorrow night, uh, generally, let me back up, not tomorrow night, tonight. Generally, on the second Sunday of every month at 4 p.m., so today is the second Sunday, generally, at the second Sunday of every month at 4 p.m., we have a Holy Spirit service. This is exactly what we were just talking about. We actually start that service early so that we can come in here and say, Lord, what do you want from us? Everything we have is yours. We've got no time limits. We started early, so if you want to go long, it's not going to bother us, right? We started early, and we say, Lord, what do you want to do, right? What do you have plans to do? It's just a service that we 100% just say, Lord, we're honoring you. We're giving it to you. Uh, if you want it to be short, be short. You want it to be long, be long. Uh, so normally that happens on the second Sunday of every month. It's a special service for us, and we just go until God says stop. Well, uh, today is normally that day, but here's what we've had. We just came out of a week-long revival of Kickstart, kicking off this year. Amen. Anybody get something out of it? Amen. Amen. Yesterday we had a day and a half worth of leadership training up in Winston-Salem at Lead 19. Anybody get something out of that? 
Glory to God. So I know that we've had a lot going on, and Nicole and I both, as we were praying about it, we really felt like uh, we were supposed to say, everybody have the evening off. You've been in Holy Spirit services for sure during the kickstart, and so just enjoy that time this afternoon. There'll be no uh, service tonight, and there'll be no youth. So just enjoy the day with your family. Give yourself to the rest of God. Get rested up and hit this new week uh, with both barrels. Amen. All right, so that's for next thing each uh, month on the second Monday uh, we have, and that's on your handout, on the second Monday we have the men's group. Uh, we meet at Blue Bay at 7 p.m. till they close at about 9. So that's tomorrow night. So tomorrow night the men's group will meet at Blue Bay at 7 o'clock. It's been about a month since we were there last, and uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. You ready to bring some manliness? Yep. All right, good, good. Hey, you ready to bring some? You're getting there. Amen. <laughs> How old are you now? Uh, 16. 16? Sweet. Just two more years, man. Just two more years. That'll be awesome. But you're, you're stepping into it now. Amen. Amen. God's moving in you. I've been watching him. He's been moving in your life. It's awesome. You ready to bring some manliness, Johnny? Amen. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving you all this moment, and you are like, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Paul's like, yep. I'm like, I'm expecting like, so, uh, uh, yeah, you know, and it's like, where is that? Huh? Where's George? Oh, you ready for us to bring some manliness? <laughs> hey, that was good. All right. Amen. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to be there tomorrow night at 7 uh, p.m. Uh, the connection show, you can see it there on your handout. This is uh, about a week and a half away, Saturday. Uh, many of you may not even know it, but we have a weekly TV and internet program called Connection. Yeah, and this week, if you haven't seen it or listened to it, actually last week and this week, last week I was interviewing uh, Cynthia Shakarian. Uh, she was Demas Shakarian's uh, granddaughter uh, who started the Full Gospel Businessman. It was a great interview with her. And then this week was Pastor Paul Brady, who was, who's from Ireland. He's pastoring a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma now. Powerful thing. You can go to ConnectionShow.org and watch that. I highly recommend it. We talked about some good things. Part one this week, and then part two will come out uh, this next week. So anyway, we're going to record the connection. We come in, we record about five shows uh, during the day. We're going to record that in about a week and a half. If you would like to help, if you'd like to be here to watch it, to help uh, get that word out like that, we'd love to have you. And uh, so, Deb, will you raise your hand? And so, if you'd like to come and be a part of that and watch and listen and help, just see Miss Deb. She knew I was going to do that when I asked her to raise her hand. And uh, so, she was highly prepared. Sunday, February 24th, is the child dedication service. If you would like to dedicate your child to the Lord, say, Lord, I'm going to give uh, my child. I dedicate him to you. I dedicate her to you. And I dedicate myself to live a life where they can go after you to the strongest, to the fullest, because of my uh, commitment as a parent. That's going to be on the 24th. There's a sign-up sheet out there on the desk. You can sign up. And then March the 2nd, the finance and budgeting class, this is on Saturday, we saw huge, huge, huge changes and revelation 
and manifestations of God's goodness from the class that we did a little bit over a year ago. Uh, this is not something that you need to do uh, just one time. It actually is something that will very much help you. Uh, we had people constantly using this material planet. Uh, one testimony we had saw $1,400 a month difference simply because of what we taught. So it's God, is his hands on it, blessing it. Actually, Jade, uh, Paul's wife, she works at the bank. She takes that material and uses it at the bank all the time to help people get their finances where they need to be. Or even if their finances are decent, to help uh, focus them to do everything they want them to do. So we're going to have that on Saturday the 2nd. So those are a few things that are coming up. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you today is about this. Uh, we have been approached, uh, had a ministry call us and say, we've had two deaths this week. Uh, one was for, was for an elderly gentleman uh, that they just found that had been passed away. And another one was a two-year-old baby that had uh, choked. And um, they were having, both of these were having trouble covering some of the expenses of the funeral. And we were personally asked, uh, if we could help out with that. If you'd like to do that, uh, you're welcome to. Just if you give, uh, you, can, you can even give today or you can come back to us and say, hey, we'd like to do it. Let us know what you would like to give before you leave today or by the end of the day. If you'd like to do that, we want to give some uh, to both of those and make sure that everything's covered the way it is. We want to share the love of God out of our own prosperity. If the Lord deals with you on that, just let us know. Uh, Priscilla, will you raise your hand? And just so send Priscilla a message or let her know uh, what you would like to give so that we have an idea of what to uh, send them and give to them in that way, okay? Uh, if the Lord deals, if he doesn't deal with your heart on that, that's no big deal. Uh, but that's what we're here. We're here to walk in an abundance. Remember in 2 Corinthians 9, walk in an abundance for every good work. Well, we had presented to us in every good work. This is one of those times where we want to be walking in an abundance so that we can help be a part of that. The other thing is, uh, y'all know that in uh, later on in the spring, I'm scheduled, well, you might not know, I'm scheduled to go back and minister at a conference uh, like a week-long conference in the Philippines. Uh, went last year. Uh, there were over 600 commitments to Christ while I was there. I mean, the fire of God fell. I mean, people were just, they were overwhelmed by the power of God. It was beautiful. And they were, they were uh, God set a fire for them to go out and win souls and, and make disciples. So I'm going back there. I was talking to the leader of that ministry there. And they said, this is what she said to me. Uh, she said, we just want, do you have any like used sound equipment or stuff like that? It's hard for us to get our hands on and everything. I said, let me, let me see what I can do. And uh, so here's what I want. I don't want some old beat up sound equipment. I want to cover everything they need. They said they needed five mics. I know they need, they need five handhelds. She, she was being you know, she wasn't telling me everything. I know they probably need five handhelds and a couple of uh, lavalier mics like what I'm wearing today. And uh, we want to get the good stuff and bless them. We don't want to sow some old junkie mess. We want to sow. So if you're believing God to do that, I know each one of those mics new is about 
500 bucks, 600 bucks, depending on if you buy it. We can probably order it here and ship it, ship it to them, but they have a need there. It's a big ministry. They actually have hundreds of churches that they minister to. That's where I'll be ministering is all these churches and ministers will be coming in and I'm ministering to them. Uh, when I go. And last year it was funny because I had, they had me on a, a microphone with a wire and I haven't done that in a while. And, uh, but it, their concrete there is not like our concrete here. Like our concrete here is smooth, right? Over there it's rough. And uh, I'd be walking and the mic cord would be dragging along the cement and it'd be like, and just coming through because it would shake the cord and shake the mic and everything. And, uh, but not only that, but I was like, man, I got to do something about this mic. Cause I'd get over here and I'd be like, you know, and, and have to go back. I was limited by that. And I was like, man, I'm about to bring my own mic next year. I, I won't, I like walking anyway. So, but, uh, that's what they had. They had these cords and, um, I just want to bless them. And so if the Lord puts something on your heart to be a part of that, uh, let us know. If he puts it on your heart to help, hey, we want to send you over there. You know, we've got two places overseas this year that the Lord's talking to us about. One is there with the Philippines and one is in Nigeria uh, where we'll probably go and one be ministered to at Bishop David Oyedepo's and maybe Pastor E.A. Adeboye's church, two of the biggest churches in the world. And, uh, but then also minister probably to a church or two that we're friends with in Lego. So these are some things that God's doing. If you want to sow into it, you're welcome to. But here's what we do as a family. We believe together. What I want, even if you're not physically going, I want you to be believing. Lord, provide every bit of that. Provide those mics. Provide those trips. Let them be full and overflowing how God wants it. And let's believe together. Amen. It's like what we do in our home. Uh, we say, hey, here's a need that we have. And uh, Lord, we just ask you for it right now. We come together as a family and believe that's what this body is for, is so that the gospel will go out. Amen. Amen. Dealing a lot with finances this morning. Anybody need financial breakthrough? Anybody want financial breakthrough? Amen. Uh, God wants to do that. You know, a couple of years ago, he started putting it on our hearts to start talking about out of debt, bye-bye debt, and hello abundance. And uh, we started talking about increase, and he delivered over $950,000 worth of debt in this ministry and its partners. So that was one year. In one year, he did that. That's supernatural. And he added salaries. He added salaries uh, that went over $150,000. That means every year there's $150,000 plus dollars coming in that wasn't coming in before that because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So when we start talking about that, faith rises up inside of us to see those things done. Just during Kickstart, y'all saw it. Uh, one night, one guy gets a word about prosperity, about increase. One night, and by the end of the week, his, his salary had gone up over $35,000. Yeah. That one week, one word. Yeah. That's the thing. God wants to. It's just are we prepared to believe for it and are we prepared to receive, yeah. receive it, right? But in order to do that, we've got to get our hearts where we're, we're prepared to be like God, to be a giver. For God so loved that he gave, right? So I want, to, I want you to do something. Uh, if you'll pass out, uh, let's give one of these to each family, uh, one of the bottles. Uh, the Pregnancy Resource Center, here's the mini message. Uh, the Pregnancy Resource Center uh, is here in town. 
And uh, every year they have a fundraiser called a Baby Bottle Boomerang. Well, us being Boomerang Church, we like the name of that anyway. But uh, here's what you do. All, all it is is people will come, they'll set the bottle home at home, and uh, they'll basically, they'll take that bottle, and when they come home with change each night, they'll put uh, change in there. And last year, just in this campaign, they raised over $40,000 to help people uh, that are facing that. What they do as a ministry is this. If anybody finds themselves in or around abortion, uh, they are there to minister to them. If it's before they've had an abortion or they're thinking about it, they help give them the information to be very well informed on how that works. If they've had an abortion, uh, it can be a, a, you know, here's one of the problems with abortion that they don't tell you is it is emotionally damaging and many people live in depression. So a big part of their ministry is to help people that have had that and dealt with those things and help bring them out of that bondage of, of an act that they might have done uh, without knowledge or in some you know, uh, ignorance of to help bring them back to the place where they're healed. We support that ministry every, every month. We send them money and we believe in what they're doing constantly they are they are helping people they'll they actually have a mobile ultrasound that they'll take to places that don't have a clinic or anything like that and they'll help that mom and baby move to health and for free and many times even if people are abortion minded you know the word says this in Deuteronomy it says choose life Choose life. This is the heartbeat of God, right? Choose life. And they'll, they'll take that because they have that ultrasound right there in the middle of a parking lot in this clean van that they have. They can show an ultrasound and that mom and dad can see the heartbeat of that baby. I'm going to tell you, when we went to the hospital every time with Abigail, Rachel, and Luke, we go into that hospital, we saw the ultrasound, saw that heartbeat. Man, I cried every time. Because I knew, man, this is, this is a person. This is somebody who God created in that womb. This is somebody that God has plans for yeah. to give them a future and a hope. And that baby might not have a name yet, and he might not be out of the womb yet, but that's a person made in the image and likeness of God. And, man, he, you see that heartbeat, and it just becomes that real. And so they'll take this. They are doing a great, great work. And so I encourage you, speaking on this, because it's been in the news so much recently, I just wanted to give you a quick rundown of, of some things that are happening and, and what, what type of heart should we as Christians have towards this? What type of heart should we have towards abortion? What sh type of heart should we have towards life? Right? Well, God always says, choose life. He's a life giver. He's not, he's not the life stealer. He's the life giver, you see? And he says this, Exodus 1.16. Many, many times what you uh, see uh, in, in the word is this. The devil, or let me start. The, the Lord has a plan for every life. He says, before... Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. He has a plan for every life. And every life is made in the image and likeness of God. Now the devil tries to steal, kill, and destroy the fruit 
of what God is up to. Also, he really likes destroying anything in the image of God. Like if it will remind you of God, he likes destroying that because if he can destroy that and destroy in the people's minds the image of God, then he knows he can, he can bring people down. This is why, uh, as a believer, one of the best things you can know is know that you are made in the image and likeness of God. Because if you think that you're made in the image and likeness of a monkey, then, I mean, what kind of future is there for you? Bananas? Right? That, no, no, no. But if you're made in the image and likeness of God, what kind of future is there for you? You speak, and it's done. You believe, and things are created. You take on his image and his likeness and you move. And, and all of a sudden, you can come into somebody's life and start speaking life into them. And all of a sudden, their life can change and go up. Every baby he has a plan and purpose for. And the devil's trying to steal it and kill it. And listen, he's been doing the same thing for all time. If you, if you looked in Exodus 1... Here Moses is about to be born and he's about to deliver the people from bondage, right? And in Exodus 1.16, uh, Pharaoh says, when you're talking to the midwives, Exodus 1.16, Pharaoh says to the midwives, when you're helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it's a son, you shall put them to death. And if it's a daughter, then she shall live. What is this? This is the heart of fear. Do you know why he was saying that? If you back up a couple of verses, here's what he's saying. He's saying, these Hebrew people, they're getting too strong. They're getting too big. They're getting, they're getting too strong. They're getting too big. They, they could join with our enemies and take over the whole kingdom. It's a fear that I'll lose my power. It's a fear that I'll lose my comfort. It's a fear that I'll lose my stuff, Right? And here this fear comes on Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. And he said, now you've got to understand, this is more. Fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. And that spirit of fear, like the Bible talks about, that spirit of fear came on him. It is a demonic spirit that came on him. And instead of him saying, look... My God will protect me because he didn't know God and didn't know who he was, didn't know that God had a covenant heart. Instead of doing that, he says, kill the babies. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. That same spirit, you can watch it, it's gone all through history and it's tried to kill the plan and purpose of God and the future of every life. He's constantly trying to steal and kill the future and the plan of God in every life that has been on the earth. He tried to do it to you. You're here, praise God. But I guarantee you he had a plan and he tried to get it done. Well, our job, all right, now we're here. Our job is to do the same thing that Christ did in 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the enemy, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, you, you may have been somebody that fell victim you know, to a lack of knowledge about what was going on. That's kind of why I wanted to tell you about this today. When you see that bottle sitting on your counter, you shouldn't see it as change. You should see it as an option for you to give life and then to be motivated by the things of God, to empower people to go do the job that God has given them to do, to snatch people from the fires of hell and to snatch babies from death and bring them back to life. This is what we're supporting in this. But listen to this. 
Verse 17, the midwives, but the midwives, they didn't fear Pharaoh, they feared God. They said, God, you come first. And they did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but they let the boys live. They let the boys live. Glory to God. Look at verse 20 and watch what happened. What was the result of people that put God and his things first, right? What was the result? Verse 20, so God was good to the midwives and the people multiplied and became very mighty. They became very mighty. They became very mighty. I just want to pause right here and just say, look, if you found yourself at the, you found yourself at the heart of an abortion story, right? You found yourself in that place. Many times the church has, has talked about abortion so bad, but they've forgotten that people have been there where they made that mistake. Well, what's the heart of God on this? Well, let me ask you this question. What was the heart of God when we were all messed up in our sin? His, the heart of God was to say, I know you messed up, but I love you enough even though there's no hope for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create hope through Jesus Christ. And that's the same story today. Even if you found yourself in an abortion story for lack of ignorance or, or for lack of knowledge and even in ignorance. And it may be that you knew what you were doing, but you were so deceived in your mind at that time that you went forward with it. Listen, there is hope to bring you out of that place, to bring you out of that thinking. And if your heart, if you'll line your heart up with God, you take him by the hand and he is always leading you to victory. He is always leading you to triumph. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And so God doesn't want to leave you there. But if, if you have to understand that even if you've not been a part of the abortion story in that way like that, you can be a part of a good story where we help to save the lives of kids. And we recognize what's really going on here. So you keep on reading in here and he says this, Pharaoh commanded his people saying, in other words, they weren't doing, so now Pharaoh doesn't just charge the midwives, he charges all of Egypt. And he says this, he says, every son who is born, you're to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. He's trying to cut down the population. This is, this is a demonic spirit trying to steal and kill. And he says, all right, the midwives won't do it, then I'm going to tell other people to do it. This is what's going on. And he says, keep them, keep them alive. Uh, he said, every daughter you keep alive, but every son, cast them into the river. It's a demonic spirit. Look at this, Exodus 1.20. Exodus 1.20 says, so, uh, oh, excuse me, I looked at the wrong verse. Leviticus 18.21. Now you need to know that there was a God that the Canaanites worshipped called Molech. Now this is some time afterwards, but here's this Canaanite God called Molech. And this was a God made of a metal I believe it was brass, and they would start a fire in this thing. And this, this idol, this God that they worshipped, basically uh, he had arms out like this, and they would heat a fire in him. And this is, it's disturbing. It, it, is, it is disturbing. They would heat a fire in this so that the metal glowed red. Now you know if you've done anything around metal, how hot is that? They would heat a fire in it till it glowed red. And the people worshiping this demonic God would take their own babies 
and they would lay him on the arms of this idol and they would do it so that their lives would prosper. So that they would have, be comfortable and have prosperity. And they would kill their own babies. This is not, this is history. This is not, you know, just a fantasy story. This is what they actually did. They would heat up and then they, and then what would happen is they would come in and they, what would, they'd lay their baby in the arms of this idol, this demonic god that they were worshiping. And, and it's gruesome. It, as the baby burned and would start screaming, they would worship and play drums and play the flutes to drown out the screaming of the babies. Now, why is this important? Because when I tell it like this, you can see it for what it is. Why were they offering their babies? They were offering their babies because they wanted life to go well with them. They wanted their prosperity. They wanted their comfort. Okay. Is it disturbing? Yes. This is why we need to know about it. It's why we need to know what's actually going on. Because that same spirit that caused Pharaoh to want to desire his comfort and his prosperity is the same spirit that's now operating here. And in Leviticus 18.21 it says this, You shall not give any of your offspring or none of your children and offer them to Molech. So now you know what he's talking about when he says that. Nor shall you profane the name of your God, for I am the Lord. Now look over at Psalm 106, 35. 106, 35. 106, 35 uh, says, oh, I was on 105. Now he's talking about where they messed up and they said, but they mingled with the nations and learned their practices. Let me put this in today's language. The people of God mingled their thoughts with the thoughts of a corrupt nation and they started to take on some of their practices. In other words, just because it was legal in that godless nation didn't mean that it was right for the people of God. They mingled their practices. In other words, they started to believe that what godless people said was okay was okay. And because of that, they stepped into some trouble. He says this, but they mingled the, with the nations and learned their practices and served their idols, which became a snare to them. They served their idols. In other words, they did things. Do you think that they knew that they were idols at the time? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Do you have to know that it's an idol to be actually serving it? You don't have to. You can just be taking the wrong actions and all of a sudden you find yourself serving an idol that's not of God and you're wondering why is, why is this not going right in my life? Why is it not going right in my nation? Why is it not going right in our household? Because you, you're serving something and you don't realize. This is why we need the truth preached so that we wake up to what's actually going on. 
And then he says this. Listen, verse 37. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. Now, am I reading something from like a right-wing political place, or am I reading from the Word of God? What did they sacrifice to? This is not, we're not making this up. It, they, what did the Bible say they were sacrificing to? To demons. See, a lot of people, they don't want to believe in a spiritual world, and this is part of the problem. They don't realize what they're doing. They don't realize what they're interacting with. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with pastors on a regular basis that have some knowledge about the supernatural, and they don't realize that they are mingling their practices with a demonic worship, and all of a sudden they're wondering why their life is bound, and they won't do it because they're giving themselves over to some thoughts. Instead of keeping themselves pure in the eyes of God, they're giving themselves over to demonic practices. Look at this. And they shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. Who Remember Moloch was the idol of Canaanite idol? And their land, now look at this. Their land was polluted in blood, with the blood. In other words, now, it, you know, if you get a bunch of trash in the land, you don't have the nutrients you need, it, they were actually trying to get prosperity, and what they didn't realize was they were actually bringing poverty on themselves in their actions. Because they didn't realize the reality that God had them moving in. Then it says this, Thus they became, they, the people, became unclean in their practices and played the harlot in their deeds. Now watch this. Uh, Paul, will you come here? And will you just stand right here? Just face that way. Now let's say that Paul is God. Good job, Paul. Way to go. Here's the question. Does God have any uncleanliness in him? No. Does he have everything I need? Like in his hands is everything I need. So if I need something, I need healing, I need deliverance, I need protection, I need prosperity, I need restoration, I need the life and life to the full till it overflows, where am I going to find the real? Not, not the world's made up counterfeit, where am I going to find the real? I'm going to find it in God. But is there any uncleanness in Him? What does the Bible say? The Bible says that His ways... Are holy. It also teaches us that his ways are pure, right? So if I go over here, even ignorantly, even ignorantly, I go over here. Remember the word says in Hosea, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. In other words, because people don't know what's actually happening in the spiritual realm, they're doing things that are causing them to be destroyed. In Isaiah it says this, I think the first one's Hosea 6, 4, or 4, 6, one or the other. And then Isaiah is, I think, 5, 13, it says, My people are in captivity for a lack of understanding. 
So it doesn't matter if I know about it or not. If I keep operating in an ignorance of the things of God, I'm going to find myself bound eventually because what I sow, even if I didn't realize it, is kind of like this. No matter what I do, if I plant tomato seeds, corn is not going to sprout up. I might not have known what kind of seeds they are, but it doesn't matter if I knew what kind of seeds they are. When I plant them, there's only one kind of fruit that comes up. If it's an unclean fruit or unclean seed, it'll be an unclean fruit. If it's a clean seed, it'll be a clean fruit. So I can be over here not really knowing what I'm doing, which is why it's so important for us to actually get into the Word and know who God is and know what He's saying. I can be over here, and what did He say? They did things, they mingled their ways with the unclean nations, and over here they're planting unclean seeds, and the Bible tells us that eventually they became an unclean people. They became unclean. Why? Because they didn't take the time to clean themselves. They didn't take the time to study out what was clean and what was unclean. They didn't take the time to say what's God, what's not God, nor did they esteem it. Even if they took the time to do it, they said, no, I want to do this anyway. I'm going to do it my way. Well, that's sin. That's unclean. Here's the thing, though. God is a consuming fire. And if he has the reality of the solution that I need in his hands, and I need, I, Lord, I need your help, I need your solutions, but I'm unclean, I can't get to a clean God without burning up. I can, I can say, oh, God's got what I need, I'm going to go get it. And I'm about, when I get close, boom, I'm going to get hit with a wall of fire because God's trying to hold me back. No, because I've tried to bring something into a holiness that can't go there. If I bring it in, I'm not just going to not get what I want. I try to force my way in, I'm dead. Because he is a, his holiness is a consuming fire. It's not because he wants me to hold back. So what he does is he says, look, children, I love you. I want the best for you. I want you here with me. But in order to come here with me, you've got to clean up you. Because you can't take. Look, he's saying, I'm so pure and so holy and so clean. You can't take unclean in and around me. It'll burn. I don't want you burnt, so I'm going to lay out some truths. I'm going to lay out the things of God. And if you'll just, I'll, I'll even give you the power to clean up. I'll even give you the power to clean up. So what happened here? Now you've got a whole nation that mingled their habits with the nation of uncleanness. They started sacrificing their babies to idols of demons. And they themselves became unclean. And everything that God wanted to get them, he couldn't even get them because they can't get close to them until they, and basically until they repent, until they change that stuff. Can't even get close. Can't even get close. Now that's not the heart of God. God wanted them to be close. But over here on some level, on some way, they said, God, I don't care. I want my prosperity. I want worldly prosperity. I want worldly comfort. I want my, my stuff. And God's saying, I just want you to be with me and you can have everything in my hand. But I, it just comes naturally when you hang out with me. But you can't approach with that uncleanness. 
It's part of the reason why he gave us Christ. He said, look, even though, even though you were a people that was unclean, I'll give you and empower you to come clean. And once you receive Jesus as your Savior, I'll wash you white as snow. I'll, re I'll remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. And I'll welcome you with open arms. And you can come and be a part of my family. You can be who I want you to be. I'll help you do it. But at some, on some level, before you start doing that, you got to say, Lord, i got to change me. I've got to change me. I have to change me. Lord, I need you. I want you. I desire you. I've got to say, look, I may have, anybody in here, I may have messed up in the past. But I'm not going another, listen, here's a right heart. I'm not taking another step in my life without you. Because I need you. I need what you have. I need to be around you. You're my God and I will be your people. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will give all of our ways. I'm not going to mingle my ways with a worldliness that doesn't even know what holiness is and how good and how loving you are. I'm not going to mingle my, my paths, my ways, my habits, with my sacrifices with that. I'm going to give all of me to you. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, I'll receive that. That's a heart change. I'll receive that heart change. Come, I'll even empower you to do it. And you'll come right into the presence of God and heal anything that was broken, he'll fix it. And anything that could be broken in the future, he'll fix that. It just takes that heart change. It takes us being real in that way. Thank you. So you see... This same spirit that was in Exodus, it goes all throughout the Bible and even into Israel who knew God. Who knew God. And they can blame it on all kinds of other things, but what they did is they mingled their thoughts and their actions with an unclean thought and action. They mingled what they were thinking. But we've got to go back to the word. Look, you don't need to do something because Pastor Brian told you to do it. You need to do it because God told you to do it. In other words, if I was standing up here today and I'm giving you opinion, then okay, don't listen to a word of it. But if I'm giving you scripture and I'm showing you this, then I, it's not just me talking to you if that's the case. It's God talking to you through me because I'm giving you that truth. And that truth, if you'll continue in it, it'll set you free. God says, look, they became unclean. Why is that important? Because God didn't want to leave them in the place where they couldn't get to him and couldn't receive from him. He wanted to take them to the place where he washes them, where he purifies them, where they can come into the presence of their loving father and receive. That's the heart of God. Let's look at this. Matthew 2 and verse 16. Take that down just a touch. There we go. Matthew 2 and verse 16. Now, what did we just talk about? We talked about a nation that was unclean and, and could not come to God. And God says this over in Romans chapter 5 in verse 6, in verse 8, and verse 10. God says this. Uh, he says, even though you were sinners... I'll send my son for you. Even though you were 
helpless. You couldn't even help yourself. I'll send my son and he'll, he'll pay the price for you. Even though you were now declared by God himself, even though you were my enemy, even though you were my enemy, it's at that time I sent Jesus Christ for you. So here it is. Here's the devil who's now taught people. He's inspired demonic spirits to inspire people to offer up their babies for their own comfort and prosperity. And you see it back in Exodus trying to kill Moses. You see it in Psalms where the children of Israel have even moved and they've mingled their ways with godless nations. And they've actually moved away from the place of prosperity and moved to the place of poverty. But God says, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to send my son. Do you think that even God sitting up in heaven on his throne saying, I will send my son and he will deliver my people so that they can come and receive everything I have for them because I love them so much. Do you think that stops the devil from trying? No, no. Even then, here in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16, the same spirit of abortion the same demonic spirit, comes up and says this. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the magi, the wise man, he became very enraged, and he sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men, from the magi. What was that? The same spirit of fear. Here's a king coming to the Jews, and he wants my throne. So I'm just going to kill them all. I'm going to kill every male in the area and just wipe them out. Why? For my comfort and for my prosperity. For my comfort and for my prosperity. What's he doing? Whether he knows it or not, he's worshiping an idol of prosperity and comfort to his flesh. You can call it whatever it is, but it's stealing and killing and destroying the things of God. Even the greatest plan that God ever had, the devil tried to abort that plan. And he's still trying to abort the plans today. How many things could have been released into this world, the great plans of God that we in the name of comfort and prosperity have aborted as a society and as a people. Who knows? But we've got to say, Lord, I'm going, I'm going to go after you. I'm not going to go after what I think or what I've been taught. I'm going to go after you. I'm going to put you first. And when we seek you first, we seek you and your righteousness, all these things will be added to us. Let's turn to Proverbs 10 as we wrap up for today. Is this the, the shouting message that you want to hear? The, you know, is this even the message that I had planned? No, it's not. It's not even, no, if you look at your handout, it's not any of the scriptures you see on the handout. But is it a message we need to hear? 
Yeah, because if there's not somebody to stand up and shine the light in darkness, then there's going to be a whole bunch of people in uncleanness that never can get to the hands of their God. It's got to be a people who stands up and knows what's actually going on. Listen, it's got to be a people that actually will do the things that God's called them to do. They won't sit by idly, but they'll say, look, I'm not just putting my pocket change in here. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm asking you while I got this bottle, bring it back in two weeks. You know, bring it back full. I'm, I'm believing God in two weeks period of time. Give me so much that I overflow this thing. Let me give more than I ever have before. See, it doesn't cost you anything to have faith. It doesn't cost you anything. You can say, Lord, give me an ample supply so that I can do the things I need to do to rip those babies out of the jaws of death and to help people rip them from the fires of hell. You see, when we start preaching the truth and we start loving on people and supporting people, not leaving people where they are, this is not the church saying, oh, you messed up, you're such a jerk. No, this is the church saying even if you messed up, there's hope for you. His name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to do everything we can to help you, not just to hold you back. But if you sit back and you say, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to do it the way I want to, and I I want my worldly prosperity, and I want my worldly comfort, that's a heart that God can't do anything with until you decide, because he's not going to make you, until you decide, Lord, I'm going to do things for your reasons, for your reasons. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10. Oh man, this is so strong. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you... Now, what is Proverbs known as? The wisdom of God. You read this book, you meditate on it, you start doing this, you're going to start walking in wisdom. You start walking in wisdom, you're going to start walking in influence, you're going to start walking in prosperity. You know, this is a good thing to do. I've done this before, I may start it again soon. But a good thing to do is is there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's generally 30 or 31 uh, days in a month. Read one chapter of Proverbs every single day and see where you are after a few months you'd be amazed at how much wisdom is pouring out of you, right? I mean, it's something else. It'll change you. So here's some wisdom straight from the Holy Ghost through King Solomon. Here's some wisdom pouring out. Let's see what the Holy Spirit says. He said, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. In other words, don't go along with them. They may, they may have some stuff that really entices your flesh. It really, I mean, it just, they, it really looks good. Anybody ever been tempted by sin besides me? Yeah. Whoo, lots. More than I want to tell you about. Tempted by sin. Look, it looks good to the flesh. The Bible tells us this, that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. They're constantly at war with each other. It is a temptation to our flesh. You've got to recognize that. It's always going to feel that way. Until you have a glorified body, it's a temptation. Okay, it's a temptation, but I am empowered by Christ to tell it no. Here's wisdom. If sinners entice you, if a worldly thinking and a nation, a godless nation, starts to teach you and tempt you by things that I've already said is against my will, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. 
Boy, if that doesn't line up with what we're talking about. Don't it? That's good English. Don't it? That's, that's Southern. <laughs> Don't it? That's not what you get from Krispy Kreme. Don't it? It was bad. It was fun, though. I enjoyed it. Because everybody's face like, I don't know if I should laugh at this or not. But it lines up with what we're talking about. If, if sinners entice us, don't go with them. And if they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush innocent without cause. Now, here's, here's why would sinners say, let us ambush people? Why would they say do that? To take for themselves. To take for themselves. In other words, I'm going to call somebody else something so that I can have it for me. This is what the Bible calls sin. This is what the Bible calls sin. Do you know, you know, one of the biggest arguments about people, you know, killing babies in abortion, one of the biggest arguments that they have is in the cases of rape, right? And they'll say, you know, well, uh, we don't, we don't want to take away that mother's choice when they were raped. Do you know, and, and I'm just, I'm going to throw something out here as a thought, and we need to think like this. We need to understand why we think like this. What I know basically what the percentage is. Do you remember the specific percentage of how many of those cases are in abortion? Yeah. It's, it's, it's less than 1%. I think it's less than, I think it's even, I think it's less than a tenth of 1%. But we can look up those figures. Let's just say, let's just say it was 1%, which it's less than. So that means out of every hundred babies that's aborted, one of them has that reason. Let me tell you something. This is the heart of God. What was the heart of God for you when you were messed up? When, when we did it to ourselves, the heart of God was, even though they did it to themselves, I'm going to give myself. 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 I'm going to give myself so that they can have a better life. Even if we find ourselves in that situation where somebody's done wrong to us, it's one of those things where we've got to say, look, I'm going to give myself. I have, I have nine months. I can, I can give the baby up for adoption. You know, there's so many. I saw a graphic the other day where it said it costs on average like 20-something thousand or something to adopt a baby and four, four or six hundred to abort it. Like something screwed up screwed up and what's our focus is our focus on life is there a focus on death that's messed up that's mingled thoughts I'm gonna give myself I'm gonna give myself for nine months and say you know what but this baby is gonna live this life is not gonna find its death at my prosperity and at my comfort no 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 I'm gonna give myself and I know it may change my body it may change my whole life but it's worth it. See, that's what a giving of ourselves does. It says, Lord, I'll give myself. I will give myself for others. 
whatever the cost is. I will give myself. See, that's the heart of God. And that's something you don't hear talked about a whole lot is you're talking about one, less than 1%. Let's say it was 1%. So out of those 99 cases, doing it this way, 99 babies are born and stay alive. And they carry out the plan of God for their life. And one, one lady gives themselves. One out of that hundred. And says, a life is worth it for my nine months. And then the ladies, now you have a hundred ladies who aren't carrying the burden of that spiritual decision for the rest of their life. Who aren't carrying the uncleanness of that, that action that stealed and killed and destroyed. And see, even if you found yourself in that place, God says, God says, I'll help you. I'll, I'll help you. I'll help restore you. I'll bring comfort to you. I'll show you how to be strong. See, the reason why people don't do that stuff is they really don't trust God to be their source. They don't trust God that he'll give you the strength to have that baby. He'll give you the strength to be that mom. See, what they're trusting is their inability instead of God's ability. He will give you the strength. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll show you how to do, do it. Is it a great situation? Well, probably if you're considering that, most of them are not the greatest of situations to find yourself in. But now you've found yourself in that situation, let's move to where we need to be. Let's not make another bad decision because of a bad situation. But let's now make a God decision. Decision, a life decision and let's give ourselves even if they say let us lie and wait for blood let us ambush the innocent without cause let us swallow them alive like Sheol or like hell even whole as those who go down to the pit we will find all kinds of precious wealth and we will fill our houses with spoil this is what the sinners are, are tempting us with in this he says, even though we will have prosperity, we will have this comfort, throw in your lot with us. Just agree with us. Everybody's doing it. It's legal. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. Now this is God himself telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not my path. Listen, why would he say this? For their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed blood. Listen, it won't be long before they'll be doing more and more and more and more. Even now, when, just when you know, the uh, LGBT stuff came out and they made it okay to marry, the days, days later, when they made it okay and legal, for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. Days later, you had people proposing that we should start laws where men, because I love them, men, dirty old nasty men, could start to mar uh, marry children. It's, listen, because it won't be long. They'll run to deeper and deeper evils. Because when you tell the flesh yes, your flesh has an insatiable desire to keep going. It's the way that the de devil's nature is. And when we look at our flesh that's, that has been corrupted with sin, that's the nature of the father, the devil. And you have to understand that it's just going to keep pushing. It's just going to keep eroding. And no matter what, and it says it right here, don't walk. Keep, keep their, uh, your feet from their path. 
for their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed blood. In other words, they don't just stop at that one place. And once they do it, they got you because now they start to blackmail you. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got to stand up. And this is what's going on. You've got to stand up for abortion because if not, you were a sinner in the first place. And so nobody, nobody feels like they can change their heart or change their mind. Because if I change my heart and mind, then I'm saying I was a guilty one. It just drags you deeper and deeper into that place. It drags us into that place. But what does God want for us? He said, indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird. In other words, what's going to happen is it's not that the things that, we're, that we've done can't be seen. If we do them for the wrong reasons, oh, they're seen. And you don't escape your own trap. He says this, but they lie in wait for their own blood. What they're doing is they're actually bringing a death on themselves. It's just like the people I was talking about earlier. They made themselves unclean. And what they've literally done when they were trying to go after prosperity in the world's eyes and in the world's ways, they actually brought a poverty on themselves. It says these people, they're, they're, they're shedding innocent blood. And what they're literally doing is setting their own trap. It says they ambush their own lives. They ambush their own lives. Verse 19, so are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. This is why it's so important to know what the Bible says, to know what it says, because God's saying, look, I don't want you to walk in that. I want you to walk in the fullness. I want you to walk in the wholeness. And even if you don't feel like you're up to the task, he says, if you'll just turn your eyes on me, if you will just grab a hold of me, I will empower you to make the right choices. I'll empower you to live a life full of the holiness of God. I'll empower you to live a life to the full till it overflows. I'll bring that prosperity, but it won't come by lying in wait for blood. It'll come because you worship me, because you give your all to me, and in me is everything you need for life. God says, if you'll put your eyes on me, your trust on me, I've got everything you need. I have your prosperity. I have your health. I have your protection, your restoration, your deliverance. I have eternal life. I have fellowship with me. And if you will make your way clean, if you'll just turn your heart towards me, me. I'll make you clean and I'll draw you to myself and everything I have can be yours. That's the heart of God. And see what we've done is we've said, no, Lord, I don't want to go after you. I want to do it my way because my way is more fun. And so what they're actually after are the very things that God has for them. But they're saying, I want to do it my way. And they don't realize they're setting their own trap. But God says, look, if you'll just trust me, you'll have everything you need, everything your heart desires. Why? Because I'm the one who put those things in your heart. I'm the one who will empower you because I love you. You're my children. I want the best for you. I've got no fear of getting my glory on you. I've got no fear of getting my prosperity on you. I've got no fear of getting increase on you. It is me. I delight in the prosperity of my servants. That's what God says to us. And when we start to realize that, then we say, I don't have to do things the way of the evil. I don't have to do things to get what I want and get what I desire that way. I just got to go after God with all my heart. And God, he'll find me and I'll find him. And we'll walk together hand in hand and everything he has will be mine. Amen. Amen.
You believe that? So today is a day of cleansing. A day of, if you want to help get those and pass them out. Today is a day of saying, Lord, you know what? I may have mingled myself with unclean in the past. There might be something today that you're saying, you know what I need? I need to be clean. Lord, I need to confess this to you. The word says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just. It's not, a, it's not a matter of will God show up or he won't. No, you get your heart pointed towards him, he'll show up. It's just a moment. I just ask you right now, just, just close your eyes and meditate on this with me. Just right now, Lord, anything you want me to do, I'm yours. I'm not going to be doing things the way the world has taught me. I'm not going to be doing things the way the world has shown me. I'm going to do things the way you have taught me. I'm going to do things the way you have shown me. I'm not going to believe small. I'm going to believe big. I'm going to believe you, Lord, that I can go into every area of life with the confidence that I'm your child. But, Lord, I know in order to walk like that with a hope, with a joyful, confident expectation, I know that if I have your hope, then I've got to have that confidence. That means I've got to trust in you to lead my, lead my steps and lead my actions and lead my thoughts. I've got to trust in you. Today, I make you the Lord of my life. Doesn't mean I've never made you the Lord before, but I'm taking it to a new level today. I'm not walking out of here at the same level as I did when I walked in. Lord, I'm taking it to a new level. Lord, I'm taking it to a new level today. If that's the cry of your heart, I just want you to pray this with me. And pray it out loud. Don't just think it. That's not really prayer. Prayer is when you speak the way that God spoke. There's something about when it comes out of our mouth, when we speak that thing out. We start to confess the things of God. It comes out of our heart. He says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then Jesus is Lord. Then that's the day that salvation comes to you. And so today, just pray this with me. And just make it your heart cry. Make it personal to you. Just say, Father... Today, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. He's the director. He calls the shots. And I'm obedient. And I believe that he took all my mess, all my sin, all my walk in the way I shouldn't have walked. He took it on him. And that sin took him to the cross and to the grave. And I believe that you, God, brought him back to life. And when you raised him up, you raised me up. And I'm no longer in that death. I'm no longer in that place of the grave. But you raised me up and seated me in heavenly places. With you. Just let that sink. Pobre Petericosto. Telos don't frame on the also, Otterbeco Pernito. 
You're seated with him in heavenly places. This communion that you have in front of you that it represents the body and the blood of the lamb. It represents just how much passion he had for you. Just how much love he had for you. It represents, he said, look, I was so serious about this. I gave my body. I gave my blood. This was not a joke to me. You are important to me. And I didn't want to leave you at the place where uncleanness could wreck you. I didn't want to leave you at the place where you couldn't help yourself. I didn't want to leave you there. I desired for you to be a great part of my family. So much so that I paid with my life, with the body and the blood. And the word says this in Corinthians. It says that we should not take the communion, take the body and the blood, we should not take it lightly or esteem it lightly. In other words, we should recognize it for what it is. And then we should say, Lord, I, I'm not only do I take communion, I'm saying, Lord, I'm part with you. When I take that, I'm saying, I'm part with you and you are part with me. And I take this as a covenant. I take it seriously. And when I walk out those doors, I'm not going to like, you know, throw it up. And now I'm not part with you. And when I come back on Sunday, I will be part with you. No, 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 no. When I take communion, I'm saying, I'm one with you and you are one with me, just like it says in John 17. And we are one with the Father. And I'm going to live that way. I'm not going to mingle my ways with the world. I'm going to live holy and sanctified and purified. I'm going to make your reasons, my reasons, your heart, my heart, your actions, my actions, your words, my words, your thoughts, my thoughts, Lord. I'm one with you. I'm going to walk this thing out. I'm taking it serious. So when you take the body and the blood today, don't just eat a cracker and grape juice. Eat a commitment to God and to yourself. <clears throat> Eat a covenant. Not only that, but you got to understand that Jesus said, the Father told him, everything I have is yours. He said the same thing to the prodigal son, the older son. He says, son, everything I have is yours. So as you take communion today and as you, you know, Reignite that fire of God in your relationship with Him. Understand that you are not a child without an inheritance. You have a right to healing. You have a right to prosperity. You have a right to protection. You have a right. All of this is, is biblical in the, in the Word. You have a right to the blessing of God, restoration and deliverance. You have a right to it because I'm a child of Most High God. This is, this is not just theories and and examples and no 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 this is not just an analogy no you are a child of most high God and when you are one with him by your own heart's belief it puts you into the family and there's a legal contract of the blessings and the promises of God and God says this every one of my promises is yes and amen yes and amen means so be it yes and so be it and so when you take this today not only are you declaring I'm going to walk with you in your ways your thoughts your actions but Lord I also receive everything you have for me I walk in the fullness of my salvation I've got a contract that even you are saying right now let every one of your promises happen in my life this is no light thing to be taking communion 
This is no light thing. This is a sign of the covenant that we have with God. It's a remembrance to us that we are one with him, that we walk like him, but we also receive of all of his things. And as you receive those things, people start to see that on your life and they say, I, if I see that on your life, I want what you got. The world doesn't really care about all the holiness and morality. The world cares about what they see in you. Are there, is their life higher? Is their life better? And the Word tells us, the Bible tells us, that our life is supposed to be so bright. This is in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. You're, you're the glory of the Lord is supposed to be so bright on your life that nations or people groups will come to the glory of your rising. Not just His rising, but the glory that He pours out on you. So as we take communion today, don't just receive. Oh, this is a good action. You say, Lord, I'm receiving my inheritance today, and I'm walking out of here as a son of God. I'm walking out of here as a child of God most high. The word says, I made them a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of kings. It's, they are walking out as kings and priests. This is, this is New Testament stuff. I'm walking out of here as royalty, but I'm also going to live like it. I'm going to live like royalty. I'm going to think. You know, kings used to have, oh, this is so awesome. Kings used to have people that would teach them how to be, teach their kids how to be kings. That's what a church is. Showing the king's kids how to be kings. How to be royalty. <laughs> That's what you're learning today. You're learning how to not walk like the world, not walk like a mingled mess of corruption, but to walk like the royalty that you are. So now let's just bow our head. Lord, today we take this seriously. We receive your covenant. It's not only, only a covenant of what we are to do, but also a covenant of what we are to receive. Lord, we receive a right to the family of God and the inheritance. We receive the power to live rightly, to make the decisions we need to make. That means when I get to that place and I used to say, I'll do what my flesh wants to do, we'll tell the flesh no. You will empower me with your grace to deny ungodliness, to deny the mingling with a godless nation, and we will walk according to that. Lord, we don't lightly esteem the body and the blood. We esteem it properly. We put it in its place. It has a high priority in our place, and we will live like it. So right now, and just say this with me. Say, Father, forgive me. I ask you for everything I missed, everything I messed up, and I ask you to empower me to live your way from this day forward. And I won't play games with it. According to your word, Jesus, I ask you, baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire to be your witness around the world. In Jesus' name. And I receive the fullness of my inheritance. I receive healing. I receive prosperity, deliverance, restoration, 
protection and a relationship with you for all eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now when you're ready, you can, just, you can take a second if you like, but when you're ready, you may take the body and the blood. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yeah, Lord, we'll walk right. We'll walk the way we need to. We won't make excuses for a mingling of uncleanness, but we'll walk how you've called us to walk. We praise you, we love you, and we walk out of here at a higher level. King's kids, covenant, holy. In Jesus' name. You need to understand that today, when you made that the cry of your heart, when you made it the cry of your heart and you asked the Lord to forgive you, he says, if you'll confess those things and ask, he said, I'll remove all transgressions. I'll remove it as far as the east is from the west. I'll blot it out and I'll remember it no more. It'll be thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. He says, everything that you've done, you just confess. I won't even remember it anymore. You ask, say, Lord, do you remember that one time I messed up? He'll be like, what are you talking about? Yep. Not even there. I don't even know what it is. I'm a king's kid, and I'm walking forward from this day forward, empowered to be who he's called me to be, not making excuses, but living so that I can walk with a clean God and walk in his glory and walk in his power and walk in his thing. He's got a plan. Say it with me. Just say, he's got a plan for me. And it's going up. The Bible says... The steps of the righteous get brighter and brighter to the noonday sun. Glory to God. That's you. That's your story. He's got a plan. You're made in his image and his likeness. You are designed to carry his glory and his power and his authority. You are designed to be who he's called you to be. Jesus said, I'll be the firstborn of many brethren. He said, I'll be the firstborn of many brethren. In other words, you were designed to be who God called you to be. Amen. You are not just another beat up human being. You are made in the image and likeness of God. And today, things changed Amen. in your life today. Amen. 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 Glory to God.